Welcome back to the Read the Roster Podcast. I'm Ross. And I'm Reed. And this is going to be our college football week 11 review along with our week 12 preview. Uh, week 12 doesn't have too much in store for us, uh, but we are recording this on a Tuesday night. It's about 8.55 uh, p.m. right now. The college football playoff rankings will be released here in about five minutes. Uh, we're going to kind of watch the show and react to stuff as it happens. Again, we'll kind of give our review before we really react to what's going on. Week 12, just not chock full of some high-profile matchups like we've had in the past. Uh, but we do have some games that will Im implicate, you know, who's getting what spots, who might be our championship players, uh, or championship teams, I mean. Uh, and then, like I said, just kind of continue to shape up what this postseason is going to look like for us. And uh, I know you and I are pretty excited to talk about it. Yeah, just kind of having a down week before we kind of – getting to the biggest week of all of college football besides week one, and that's rivalry week. You'll see some of the biggest matchups in the country coming in two weeks. So, like we said, it'll be a down week, not a whole lot going on, but chance for a few upsets. I mean, there's still number one through number five teams playing, so anything can happen. But don't expect craziness this week. But in two weeks, it might get absolutely wild in the world of college football. Please check us out on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, interact with us on Twitter and Facebook, at Read the Roster, Read the Roster on Facebook. Uh, send us questions, reactions to our episodes, games as they unfold. We want to interact with as many people as possible. Uh, we want to answer questions. We want to hear your opinions about what we say and how we react to certain things. And with that, let's just kind of dive right in. Uh, like I said, week 11 kind of showed us some things. Uh, nothing too crazy happened. Uh, but I think some of these results were a little eye-opening. The first one I want to kind of mention, we won't have to stay on it long, LSU at Arkansas. LSU gets the win 13-10. to 10. You kind of expect after a huge win like they had over Alabama, there would be some fall-off, but it just looked like this team was completely out of sync. And Arkansas even played without K.J. Jefferson, I think, for the entire game, if I'm not mistaken. He did not go on the field at all. So, you know, LSU's defense, credit to them for only allowing 10 points, but for whatever reason, this offense did not show up to play against an Arkansas defense that struggled all year long. Credit to Arkansas for showing some fight, even though they're kind of flirting in and out of bowl eligibility right about now. Uh, these guys are going to fight for Sam Pittman, and again, I think LSU kind of just hit the snooze button a little bit, but they better wake it up because next week they're going to face a team and Texas A&M, that's got nothing to lose after dropping their seventh loss of the season. So, you know, if they beat Georgia, they've got a realistic shot to go be the first two-loss team to go to the college football playoff. And in the SEC championship game, if they challenge Georgia well enough, they've got a chance to be in a really high bowl game. So, LSU needs to get their act together. They've got a few tough games coming up. And this is kind of a weird one to watch them sleepwalk through. I think a whole lot helped when they played Alabama that they were at, De at Death Valley at 7 o'clock. I think they were just riding high. It was a very close matchup. I think Alabama was sixth at that time. They were maybe seventh or eighth. So it was a very close matchup. They're at home. They really had nothing to lose, so they probably went in with the same kind of mindset. I do think they lose this football game if K.J. Jefferson plays. Like you said, it was only – 13 to 10 final score and KJ Jefferson did not play at all. And he has easily proven that he's their best player. And I'm going to finish off with shout out to Harold Perkins, Harold Perkins, 
He's looking like the best player in college football as a true freshman. He was absolutely ballistic in this football game. He finished with like three sacks, three forced fumbles, and a pass deflection or interception or something. He looks like the best player, best defensive player in college football, and he was an integral part of them beating Alabama. So shout out to him and a good and not a good, a pretty bad LSU win, but maybe they'll pull it together. Next, we got Alabama on the road at Ole Miss. Uh, Alabama gets the W thirty to twenty four. This one was kind of weird because I feel like after the second half, Alabama pulled away and got or got the lead, I should say. And this score is a little bit closer than what I think the game indicated. Alabama never really lost their grip again in the second half. Ole Miss just continued to struggle on offense. Jackson Dart, for whatever reason, just looks a little off as a passer this year. He's an excellent runner, dynamic with the football in his hands. Zach Evans wasn't able to go in this game. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins, that name is hard for me to say altogether. Uh, he played an amazing game, uh, ran all over this Alabama defense. The Alabama defense is just not what we're used to seeing, but nonetheless, they bounced back after a tough week last week against LSU. Uh, obviously, good win for Alabama. It's a win you need to get because, uh, like you and I talked about last week, Alabama was really close to having multiple – uh, more losses uh, than what they've already got on their slate right now. So good win for Alabama, good win on the road, and now you get to kind of relax a little bit before uh, you get the Iron Bowl next week. I was never confident in Old Miss winning this football game. There's just no way that Alabama goes in, goes back-to-back losses, especially to one being Lane Kiffin. I just don't think Nick Saban would let that happen, even though it was a close game. But like I said, I was never kind of worried that they were going to lose this football game. They've just not looked like the same Alabama, so I get why that a lot of people thought that. But at the end of the day, it's still Nick Saban. It's still Bryce Young, Will Anderson. I think he got actually hurt in this football game. I think he hurt his shoulder midway through the game. But they're still a good football team. They're definitely not going to make it easy for anybody to win against them. So I think – I don't, the iron ball coming in a few weeks might be an absolute huge game in college football. Louisville on the road at Clemson. Clemson gets a pretty impressive win, 31-16. to 16. Now, one thing I will say, Malik Cunningham did go down the last play of the second half, so you kind of have to take the second half with a grain of salt. This Louisville team is completely different without Malik Cunningham on the field. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, DJU didn't play bad, but he also didn't play amazing. He didn't do anything to lose this game. Will Shipley and Phil Moffa uh, really did good in the Clemson backfield, and the Clemson defense, again, played a lot better than what they did uh, last week. So Clemson's just kind of one of those things. I don't think they're the 10th best team in the country by any means, uh, but they're going to continue to stay where they are just because of who they have to play. And I think bowl season is going to be really interesting to watch with them. And don't sleep on North Carolina possibly getting getting a huge win over Clemson in the ACC championship, but – like I said, nice bounce back for Clemson. You kind of know what you're getting with this football team when it comes to DJU being the quarterback. They just aren't going to do anything dynamic when it comes to the offensive side of the football if he's their quarterback. I think it's too late now to start Cade Klubnik. I think he's still able to redshirt. I'm not too sure. I don't know how many games he's played in. I think you just sit him the rest of the year, redshirt him if you can, give it. It's his team next year. If DJ wants to transfer, let him. If he wants to stay and somehow help the team, do it. But 
they're just they haven't been a good football team and probably won't be as their when he's their quarterback. It sucks to see because I do think this could have potentially been one of the best defenses in college football if their offense would have figured it out. I think they're just getting some bad slack, but like you said, good win. Malik Cunningham did get hurt. Can't take it too serious because Clemson's just not been a great football team this year, just point blank simple. So definitely looking towards the future for this Clemson team and see what Clay Clement can do. Washington on the road at Oregon. Washington gets the dub 37-34. Some really questionable decisions late in the game for Dan Lanning, and I feel bad for him because Oregon could have won this football game. Instead of going for it on fourth down with your backup quarterback who you're not confident in throwing the football, he only ran run plays while he was in the game. Uh, just super weird sequence of events there all the way around. Um, really disappointing to see Oregon go down this way, especially with the way Bo Nix has been playing all season. The refs, to me, got in the way and didn't let the players make the plays to win or decide the game. They got too heavily involved, in my opinion. The refs all across college football have sucked this year, in my opinion. And it's really tough to see that because you want the players to kind of decide the outcomes of games, not the referees. It's not the referee show. Um, but Oregon had m- multiple opportunities to win this football game, and they failed on all of them. But this is a huge win for Washington, and uh, they play their cards right. And Oregon goes down this week to Utah then we could see Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, which is crazy to think. It was really good. It was a really great football football game to watch. Both high-scoring offenses, Michael Penix and Bo Nix, probably arguably two of the biggest playmakers at the quarterback position, can both run very well, both throw very well. Michael Penix, I think, leads the country in passing yards, or maybe he did a week, week or two ago. Like you said, it sucks to see Oregon go down because I do think they're an amazing football team. After they abs- they got destroyed week one by Georgia, they have absolutely come alive. We've kind of talked about it, that their competition isn't amazing, but, I mean, you're still having to go out there and play and put up the numbers and everything like that. So, sucks to see them go down, but we're not Washington haters either, so it's kind of fun seeing Washington be back in the spotlight after – making the first ever college football playoff and not really having success since then. Yeah, good win for Washington. Hopefully Oregon can continue to play well, get a good bowl and show out, but really sucks to see them go down. Finally, we've got TCU on the road at Texas. The TCU defense actually played the best game out of all four sides of the ball, in my opinion. Uh, Came out, really didn't let Texas do anything on offense. This Texas offense has been so inconsistent. Um, I don't know what, what's going on with Quinn Ewers. I don't know what's going on with his offense. It's just weird to see, especially after what we saw at the beginning of the season. You know, it, it could be because he's a redshirt freshman, still getting used to the college game. I'm not really sure what's going on. I still think Texas has a bright future with Steve Sarkeesian. I still think Quinn Ewers is a top quarterback in the country. Um, but TCU just keeps chugging. They're keeping their playoff hopes alive. They've got two important games back-to-back, and they have to win the Big 12 championship to get there. Um but this is huge for TCU and their program, especially where they've been for the past uh, few years. So good for TCU. Yeah, I just kind of piggyback off what you said. I mean, Quinn Ewers has been at the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. He was looking like the, what is it, the one 
100th rating that you get at 24-7 or whatever for perfect recruits. He looked like that at the beginning of this year, and then he gets hurt at Alabama and just hasn't been the same since. He played absolutely horrendous in this game. He couldn't throw a football, couldn't handle a snap, couldn't have led them to a win if they were playing, I don't know, some trash college football team. They looked absolutely terrible. TCU's been playing really well this year. It's going to be a great change of pace if they do continue to win out for them to be in the college football playoffs. I'd love to see it. I still think it's going to kind of happen the same thing that happened to Cincinnati last year. I just don't think that they have the talent to compete with a team like Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, any of those teams. I think they could make it a decent football game because obviously they've, they're undefeated up to this point, but Texas really doesn't – they have Bajon Robinson and their defense is okay, but other than that, they're really nothing special. It's just when they have to start playing those big dogs, really, how well can that undefeated season kind of transition over? So if they do make it, which I hope they do, it'll bring some freshness into college football. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. That'll kind of wrap up our Week 11 review. Uh, again, some pretty interesting matchups that kind of still set the stage for what's about to come. Uh, for this postseason, obviously the championship games will kind of serve as our biggest uh, factors, I guess is the word, and, and what will be our postseason. But we do have a couple of games going on this weekend that will uh, also play into that. And then, like you said, rivalry, rivalry, Lord, I can't speak, weekend will also be uh, really interesting to see. Uh Right now, we do have a basketball game going on. The rankings have been delayed a little, a little bit, so we'll kind of talk through a couple of games while we're still waiting for that to come on. Uh, there's going to be two games that we'll talk about as headliners, and then we'll kind of filter through a couple others that might help decide what's going to happen for our championship weekend. Because right now, I think Georgia LSU is the only one that's decided for sure as our conference matchups. Uh, and I know TCU already has an automatic bid for the Big 12 championship. But obviously, they're trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. So, with that being said, we're going to jump straight to 8 o'clock Saturday night on Fox. USC at UCLA. UCLA drops a shocker to Arizona last week. So, USC is the only team with a chance out of the Pac-12 to go to the college football playoff. USC has to win this football game. And Lincoln Riley just has not done well under pressure in the past. I, I'm glad that there's heat behind this rivalry again. That's amazing. I'm, I'm really happy because um, I think it's important for West Coast football, and it's ironic that our two biggest matchups this weekend are West Coast football. Um, I think US, USC wins this game, especially after UCLA playing like garbage against Arizona, who's still an up-and-coming program. The USC offense, when it's clicking, it's freaking clicking. The only thing that's tough is Travis dies down for the year. Uh, I think it's an ankle. Um, which is a huge loss to this running game. I think it helps set up what they're trying to do pass-wise. So it might make USC more one-dimensional. You'll have to kind of watch out for that. I think UCLA is a good story. Their defense is just nothing special, and the offense is too inconsistent. It's too hot and cold. I think Dorian Thompson-Robinson is an electric player. He's fun to watch. Uh, but, again, just the hot and cold starts, the inconsistencies, and plus losing to Arizona last week, I just can't in good confidence do anything close to picking UCLA in this game. USC's favored by two and a half. I think they cover and win. Give me USC by about 10. 
uh, something like 38-28, give me USC. It's kind of just the story of how UCLA has been since DTRs got there. I think it's just been hot and cold ever since. They win a huge game, lose a shocker, start out 4-0, lose a absolute shocker, kind of go mid the rest of the season. Did that same exact thing this year, start off really hot, we're in big games, lost a really close game, a really big game, just haven't been the same since. DTR has been nothing but inconsistent since he's got there. It's a must-win game for USC. It just sucks to see that after Jordan Addison won the Bolitnikoff, which I say in air quotes because I think either David Bell or Jamison Williams should have won it, that he's just kind of gone to USC and just really disappeared, even having Caleb Williams as your quarterback in a high-powered offense with Lincoln Riley. They've just kind of – or he's kind of disappeared off the map. I think USC is a little inconsistent too. Like you said, Lincoln Riley tends to – fade away in the lot and kind of go into a shell. So it is a must-win game for USC if they want any hopes of even sniffing the college football playoffs. They abs- they just don't have any recency bias, any rep, any anything with the college committee because they haven't been there. They haven't been prevalent for a long time. So it's super important for, for them to win this football game. I'm just, it's going to be really interesting to see, but – I'm going to have to take USC just because of how inconsistent UCLA has been. Then our other headliner, this one is 1030 on ESPN. This is a super late one. Utah on the road at Oregon. Oregon favored by three. Um, Utah has absolutely out-physicaled Oregon the past two times they played, both last year in the regular season and then in the Pac-12 title game last year. Uh I don't think that happens again. I think Dan Lanning has officially helped change the culture, and Oregon will continue to be more physical with the line of scrimmage for as long as he's there. Um, I think last week was just a really tough loss for this Oregon team, and I just have a hard time seeing it happen again. I think Utah's still pretty good on defense. Cam Rising's a fun quarterback. He's one of those guys, like you and I like to say, his team's just going to play for him. The tight ends, even though they lost uh, their main guy, I can't remember his name. Kincaid. No, no, no. The one at the start of the uh, – Keithy, mm. uh, who popped off in the Florida game. He's been out, but Kincaid has stepped up and played an awesome season. The running game for Utah is still pretty decent. Uh, I think this is going to be a super close game, a really fun game to watch. Uh, but in the end, I'm just going to have to take Oregon. If they cover, it'll be barely um, – with the spread being three, I think Bo Nix can just put the team on his back and go win it. I'm going to take Oregon by seven, 38-31 Oregon. I'm going to make this quick, but not that quick since it is one of our headliners. But just I've been a Utah hater since the beginning of the season. It's worked out pretty well for me. They just haven't lived up to the hype. Cam Rising has played better. Like you said, this team has kind of played well as a unit since – Losing to Florida the, the first week, and they've kind of come into their own a little bit. Like I said, Cam Rising's playing better. Kincaid has stepped up and has been probably a top three, top five tight end in college football. They have a decent defense. But, I mean, my hate and lack of confidence in them is still there. 
I just don't think that they have what it takes to win this game against Oregon, who have been lighting the world on fire. Bo Nix has been playing like the Heisman candidate that people have thought he was going to be since he came to Auburn and introduced the backyard-style football again. I just, like you said, I just don't see in a world where Utah wins this football game. I think Oregon's going to kind of take a hold of this one and just ball out, really, and kind of do what they've been doing the whole season. Bo Nick's going to end up with six touchdowns, two on the ground, four passing, maybe run a few in with the running back. But this defense for Oregon's pretty good. Have two great linebackers, pretty good back end. D-line's pretty good, so give me Oregon and I'd say a 17 to 20 point lead. That'll kind of wrap up the big ones you and I are going to talk about. We're going to mention a few more here as we go. The basketball game still is going on. So the college football playoff show still is delayed. Um, So real quick, like I said, just kind of bring up some ones that'll be interesting things you need to keep your eye on. Uh, Illinois goes on the road to face Michigan 12 on ABC noon, ABC. Uh, Michigan's favored by 18. This is a game that Oregon are Oregon. This is a game Michigan really needs to be focused. Uh, everybody's going to be looking to that Ohio State-Michigan game next week. It's going to be huge in determining what our playoff is going to look like. I think we could see two Big Ten teams in if Michigan wins, and I think Michigan could be completely left out if they lose this game. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, I'm going to take Michigan. I don't know if they cover but this is just a prime opportunity for Michigan to be looking ahead and possibly get upset at home. I don't think it happens, but you better watch out for Illinois. They've been good all year. I'm a huge Michigan fan. I know we did them absolutely dirty last year in the playoffs, but that's last year. It's a whole new year, a whole new dynamic quarterback, and he is also the reason that I am a big Michigan fan. J.J. McCarthy is amazing. Or I wouldn't say amazing, but he's a really good quarterback. Blake Corum has played way better than I thought he was capable of. I think he should be a top-two Heisman candidate, in my opinion. He's gone absolutely crazy this year. I think he has like 14 or 1,600 yards rushing with already like 25 touchdowns. He's played absolutely incredible. This Michigan O-line looking solid again this year. Illinois, surprising that they have seven wins, but they're sneaky good. I just don't think that they have the talent or – the capability to be a team like Michigan, who I think is really going to push Ohio State and has another has a chance to beat them again this year. I just can't see a world where they win. I love Michigan, even though I'm, I was kind of a Blake Corum hater at the beginning of the year, but give me the Wolverines and JJ McCarthy. So my thing that kind of I'm going to kind of back up my my talk here. So the thing that really gets me is the Illinois defense is one of the better ones in the country. And, you know, maybe they haven't played the best of opponents, but this is still Illinois that we're talking about. Uh, Illinois has one of the better rush defenses in the country. They're going to go up against a Michigan offense that wants to run the ball. If they can focus on that and make Michigan be dynamic through the air, we just have not seen Michigan have to rely on the pass game yet. And I don't know how much they'll be able to. I think McCarthy is an excellent an excellent quarterback. I think he's a good playmaker, but he hasn't had to throw Michigan to a win. I don't think he'll have to do it in this game, but he'll have to do it next week. So can you back off the run game enough, show enough with McCarthy this week to where you're not going to have to only rely on the run game next week? 
I just, I, to me, I think they're going to make Michigan earn it. They're going to have to make Michigan earn it through other ways than the run game. And I don't think Illinois' offense is good enough to compete with this Michigan defense. I think the Michigan defense is going to be the best unit on the field. It's one of the better units in the country overall on both sides of the ball. But I think the Illinois defense can keep this low scoring, keep it ugly, and I think they can keep it close going into half. Like I said, I take Michigan to cover. I don't take Michigan to cover. I think they win. I say Michigan probably wins by 14 points, but I doubt they get over 30 by much if they do it all. And I think Illinois' defense continues to show why they're one of the better units in the country. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all if Michigan comes away with this for a 14 to 20 point win. Like you said, it's going to be interesting. Kind of like the Jalen Hurts thing in the NFL which they did lose because he could not throw them to a win. So if J.J. McCarthy gets put in that situation, will he be able to throw his team to a win? And when they're going up against Ohio State, one of the most prolific passing offenses in the country, top three probably with Tennessee and, I don't know, something like Mississippi State or someone else that's up there. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how big of a – playmaker that he can be and not just rely on Blake Corum, who's been there, done that, who will probably go off to the NFL. And it's going to be really all his team. Donovan Edwards, another solid running back that gets involved in the past game. So they have the weapons to do it. I think it's going to be a great game in two weeks. And I think Illinois is just kind of in the way to get there. Next one I wanted to bring up TCU on the road at Baylor. Uh, TCU is only favored by a few. Uh, I think that's a because of the big win over Texas. You know, Texas isn't what they have been, but still a big win to keep their playoff hopes alive. They're an automatic bid into the Big 12 championship now. And right now they have to do everything they can to stay in the playoff conversation because I think if they lose a game, they're out. And even if they win the Big 12 championship with one loss, I think Tennessee's a shoe-in right now. The Ohio State-Michigan winner is a shoe-in. And unless Georgia drops one to Kentucky or Georgia Tech, even if they lose to LSU, I think Georgia's an automatic in. So TCU's got to fight and fight hard for their final spot. Uh, I don't think Baylor beats them. I think TCU can do enough to make Baylor, you know, look terrible in this game. I think the running game for TCU is the best thing on the field. But you never know. Teams can lose focus. All different kinds of things can happen. I don't really know why the spread is this low. Las Vegas always seems to know something up with these games if the spread's where it's at when you don't understand. So I'm just going to kind of lean into it. I think Baylor keeps it ugly and keeps it close. I think TCU does cover, but I think it's kind of a situation like last week. Maybe TCU only wins by seven at max. Give me TCU 27-20 over Baylor. So this is definitely a game that could potentially be low scoring and very ugly. I think it's easily a game that TCU could lose. I don't think they do, but I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I don't think Baylor's a great football team, but, I mean, you always got to account for them. They can always sneak up and get a win on you pretty easily. Like you said, TCU has to win every single game and has to win, in my opinion, pretty convincingly to be a shoe-in in the playoffs. I know they're undefeated, and they haven't done anything to get them taken out. It's just – I think people know that there is better teams than TCU. And if they can't start winning convincingly, 
and putting up some serious numbers. I just don't think they'll have a whole lot of respect with the playoff committee because this could anger a lot of people, but there's no way that anybody could convince me that Tennessee is not a better football team than TCU. On a, there's no better, there's no chance that you could convince me TCU is better than Alabama. Uh, so, and I think they probably believe in themselves, but at, in the back of their mind, TCU probably knows that that whoever that they're going to play in the playoffs, they're probably going to lose unless they get cocky and TCU sneaks up and gets a win. But they need to win all their football games by a pretty decent margin, or else it's going to be really tough for them to get in the playoffs. Like I said, give me TCU, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's close or if Baylor sneaks up and gets a win. Next, we got Ohio State on the road at Maryland, ABC 330. Ohio State's favored by 27 and a half. This is another one. Ohio State going on the road, sleepwalking against an inconsistent Maryland offense and a really bad Maryland defense. I still cannot forget Ohio State struggling with Northwestern, whether elements included or not. You got to be wary about Ohio State not being able to hit the gas pedal completely. Mine Williams may be out. Travion Henderson may be out. What's this running game going to look like? Can the Ohio State passing game just carry them the entire way? Let's not act like the Maryland offense can just not be amazing and on fire. If they're able to fire on full cylinders on this Ohio State defense, which is also inconsistent, they've been better throughout the season, but I still don't think they've played the best competition in the world. Ohio State wins. Do not get me wrong, in my opinion. But do they cover 28 points, four full scores? I just, I don't know. I think Maryland covers. I think Ohio State wins, but this is another one. Ohio State and Michigan have to retain focus. They have the biggest matchup of any teams outside of Georgia and Tennessee all year, and maybe you could argue the LSU-Alabama matchup. But this game is going to have huge implications on what we see in the postseason, and they have to have focus because if either of them drop a win right here, it takes a huge shot at their playoff hopes. Ohio State just hasn't been what I expected them to be this year which I don't think they've really been what anybody has expected them to be. I know Jackson Smith and Jigba goes down first week, and that hurts your offense tremendously. But we've talked about it before. They have the deepest wide receiver room in the country. They have talent littered throughout that room, and they just haven't been able to put it all together. Like you said, Trayvon Henderson's been hurt almost the whole year. You have to have Mayan Williams step in, who's played great. It's just that offense has looked amazing and inconsistent at times. Like you said, the defense is inconsistent. They just haven't looked like they've been able to put it all together, and I just don't know if they will be able to if you haven't been able to put it together right now. I know they had a great Rose Bowl last year against Utah, but, I mean, a junior C.J. Stroud, a junior Marvin Harrison, a sophomore Mecca Buka. He might even be a junior now and this, that, and the other. I just don't – like you said, I think they win easily because, I mean, it is Maryland, and if they have a bad day on offense, their team just shuts down completely. But this offense has got to get it figured out if they want to make a big push for the playoffs and hopefully beat Michigan in rivalry week. So I just hope CJ Stroud and them put it all together. Next one I'll bring up, me and you don't have to stay on this for long because I already know your thoughts a little bit about it. Georgia is on the road at Kentucky. 
Uh, Kentucky's going to fall out of the rankings this week after a really weird loss to Vandy. Georgia's favored by 22.5 on the road, second road game. Let's not act like Kentucky's not a tough place to play. The fans are going to come ready to cheer for their team. Kentucky's always got a good defense, and, you know, random years when we feel like we've got an easy one against Kentucky, they show out and make us earn it. I think Georgia's played focused enough all year, and they know what is uh, – is coming what's gonna what Kentucky's gonna bring to the table I just think this offensive line for Kentucky has just played way too bad this year that there's just no way that Georgia doesn't take advantage the passing offense is non-existent the rushing offense is good but I think Georgia's good enough in the front seven to completely shut that down again another team that's got to remain focused I think Georgia's a shoe in right now regardless if they take a weird loss to Kentucky obviously that that takes a hit to your chances even if Georgia wins the SEC championship, but I think Georgia's got to remain focused and you got to come out of this game healthy. And for Kentucky, you want to shock the world. We've struggled with opponents all year that I don't feel like we've struggled, that we should struggle with. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do come in and struggle and make this a game until the third, fourth quarter. But at the same time, it's, Kind of like what I said about Auburn and us owning Bo Nix. The past few years, Kentucky has been great. And we've owned Kentucky. Point blank simple. It's like we just absolutely go off against Kentucky. And maybe this is the year it changes because they're not ranked and not good for once. So maybe, like I said, they make us earn it and they're at home. And maybe we play really bad like we did against Mississippi State last week. Could happen. Like I said, I just have confidence that – we own Kentucky, and I just don't know if it'd be that much of a game. Moving on, uh, I do want to mention this one just for a little bit. Again, I already know what you're going to say about this one, too. Tennessee on the road at South Carolina. This one's 7 p.m. ESPN. Tennessee's favored by 21 and a half. Uh, I think Tennessee's a shoe in, but they do have to win the next two weeks against South Carolina and against Vandy. I think it's a two, two easy wins that are completely possible. South Carolina has pulled off some interesting games this year, in my opinion. Uh, can't believe they're going to go to back-to-back bowl games. I would have never expected them to do so this year. Uh, Spencer Rattler is just – I think that's going to be the, the downfall of the South Carolina team. I think if it was any other quarterback but Spencer Rattler, I'd have confidence that it could work, but it just – Spencer Rattler is just too inconsistent. He's not going to go win you a football game. Tennessee's going to be ready. They want a rematch with Georgia, and if they don't get a rematch with Georgia, they at least want a shot to show people why they're the be- one of the best teams in the country. I'm with you. I don't think there's more than three teams that are better than Tennessee. I think they're easily one of the four best teams in the country, and I think they're fully deserving of a playoff spot. Granted, they don't slip up for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. South Carolina's just been not great this season, even though, like you said, they're going to another bowl game. They just haven't been great. Spencer Rattler's not that good of a QB. Tennessee just has shown no signs of slowing down, literally against the number one team in the country who arguably has the best defense in the country. And they've showed no signs of slowing down for anybody else. I just don't think that they do that for South Carolina. I think, like you said, they're upset that they lost to us. They come out like they did last week, 
and put 66 on uh, Missouri. I think they put up 50 to 60 again. I think they're wanting that rematch. They're wanting to get back to the the natty. And if they put up points like that, it's going to be really hard to keep them out, especially if we win in that SEC championship game. So, again, college basketball games in overtime. The college football playoff show isn't on just yet. Uh, one thing I did want to ask you right now, we've got a couple of interesting teams uh, in the spotlight, and I think that's Clemson and North Carolina. Uh, I just – they're both with one loss. They're probably going to play for the ACC championship. What do you think are the realistic chances that one of those ends up in the playoff, if, even if they win the ACC championship? Do you think they're completely out no matter what? I just – I think – what if Clemson's Clemson lost to Notre Dame, I don't think there's a chance for eight, either of them to get in. North Carolina's just not good enough to get in, not a good enough win to get in for Clemson. What if they beat Clemson? I just think the loss to Notre Dame is too bad for Clemson to even like prove it for Notre Dame. North Carolina did lose to Notre Dame as well. I don't want to. I don't want to just slide right past that. So I mean, you do have a good point. Yeah, I just don't. I don't think the win in itself would be good enough. And I. Everybody loves Drake May. I mean, he's he has been or is one of the best offensive players in the nation this year. But at the end of the day, we know. They're not touching anybody in the top 10, top five. Their offense is great, sure. But, I mean, outside of Drake May, if you stop Josh Downs, I really just think you kind of stop them in their tracks. Their defense is not good, point blank period. You're not stopping. Tennessee would put up 60 on North Carolina, not even blink an eye. And I think North Carolina only scores 20 or 30 in that game. So... I don't even think it'd be close. But anything could happen. Maybe they just want the feel-good story of Drake May. I think he should be a Heisman contender. But I just don't think there's any shot of either of those teams getting in the playoffs. They've just not impressed enough. North Carolina has, but Drake May is just kind of a one-man show right now. So, you know, in the past, even like late in the game, we've had the opportunity – for teams, you know, flirting with the top 10 or right outside the top 10 to show back up and kind of make a play for a playoff spot. Clemson's on that fringe. North Carolina's on that fringe. Do you think there's anybody with a shot whatsoever outside of the top 10 that could get in? Because, I mean, if you see a lot of chaos, say Michigan or Ohio State, lose or both lose and then the other one loses next week and then the other might lose in the big I know this is super chaos but like if Washington goes on a tear and wins the Pac-12 championship or if Oregon comes back beats Utah gets a rematch against Washington beats them could we see Oregon sneak in could Utah sneak in I mean UCLA I think is out at this point completely I don't even think they have a chance to go into the Pac-12 championship game but to me I think it's interesting you know there's a lot of chaos situations people continue to say that Tennessee's a lock right now to be in even more so than what Georgia is do you think there's any chance anybody outside of the top 10 gets in I don't think so I think like you said the only team that could possibly make a case is Oregon 
because if they do come back and beat Washington in a championship game and their only other loss, even though it was kind of embarrassing, but it, so the number one team who has beat them, who's currently 12th, whatever, or they probably drop even, I think they were 12 at the time when they played Washington, they'll drop because Washington, I think, was ranked like 22nd, something. Like, most recent one? Yeah. 25th. 25th. So they'll drop. But, I mean, their only losses to the number one team in the country who beat the number six team in the country or the number two team at the at number two team in the country at that time. I think Oregon can make a push for it, but I just don't think that there's anyone outside the top seven that could make a push for it. I think there's just too many teams right now that are at a lock that it's just going to be hard to kind of knock those guys out. I I want to sit here and have hope because I think college football being an absolute disarray is is one of the best things to watch unfold. And, you know, kind of the back and forth arguments are what make it fun. I think, in my opinion, the only one that would have a chance is Oregon because of the loss to Georgia at the time. Defending national champions in Atlanta at a neutral site, which is a de facto home game for Georgia. The one-point loss to Washington at home is tough, but you can argue that not having Bo Nix in for a little bit of that game kind of helped decide the factor. You can also play it off on refs. If Oregon is able to make a statement win over Utah and then comes back and wins the Pac-12 championship game by an impressive margin, and Ohio State beats Michigan, because I don't think Michigan gets in if they lose to Ohio State, they're going to need that Big Ten championship and the Ohio State win to solidify themselves as a top-four team. Just because even though I think Ohio State's in the same spot, because I don't think their resume is all that impressive either, Ohio State's just going to get the benefit of the doubt for whatever reason. I think if Michigan beats Ohio State, they still have a chance to get in. I do think Tennessee's a shoe-in right now. Unless they lose, they are a shoe-in. And you've also got to keep TCU in consideration because what happens if they make it and go undefeated? Let's say, for example, Michigan beats Ohio or Ohio State beats Michigan. They win the Big Ten. Georgia wins the SEC, goes undefeated, and Tennessee gets in and TCU loses, especially if they don't win the Big 12. I think if Oregon, like I said, can get a statement win, Regardless of what happens with Clemson and North Carolina, I think you would have to argue Oregon's resume is better than what Clemson and North Carolina bring to the table. And they might be our first two-loss team to ever make it into the playoff. I think that's something that could 100% happen. I think they're the only ones with a shot. Um, but like I said, it's just kind of fun to think about what are the, what those chaos scenarios could look like. I'm just not too sure what will happen at the end of the day. Like you said, college football is chaotic. Michigan loses close to an Ohio State. I don't know how you keep them out. I know Tennessee's resume is better, but you lose to the number two team in the country by close margin when Tennessee kind of gets dominated the whole entire game by Georgia. And Alabama hasn't looked amazing at all. I don't know how you keep Michigan out. I don't know how you keep Tennessee out. And if TCU wins out, I don't know how you can't keep TCU out. Georgia, like you said, is a shoe-in. If LSU wins, they're a shoe-in. So many things could happen 
in the college football season, which is kind of like I want to throw it back to when we did talk about the playoff expansion. I think having eight teams would be perfect. I think 12 is too many, but I think having eight or six teams would be perfect for a playoff expansion. So no matter what, all these teams are going to get in and it's not just limited to four because realistically, if everything lined up and TCU loses, we could see a potential two big 10 and two SEC college football playoff. Cause I mean, right now it's looking like Michigan, Ohio state, Georgia, and Tennessee are the best four teams in the country. You could maybe argue that Ohio state hasn't looked as good as maybe TCU or anybody else, but I think those are the four best teams in the country, so it could definitely be interesting to see if the college football playoff stayed at four teams, even though we know it's not. I think an 18 playoff completely solves our issue here, and I think it's the best format to go with. I don't know why in the world we're going to try this 12-team playoff format. I think it's a joke. I think eight teams is perfect. You can justify leaving nine and ten out of the playoffs. It gives you your power five champion bids. It gives you three at large with a group of five champion, the highest ranked group of five champion going in. I think that just solves all your problems, especially in a year where you're going to have the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan game and a Tennessee team that looks amazing. Like I said, that would be an excellent playoff, in my opinion. It gives us some good matchups. I think it gives teams like Tennessee and Michigan another go at the teams that beat them. Uh, you know, it just – it's one of those things. There's always going to be a way that you can kind of tweak and look at things. But this has definitely been a super interesting season of college football. We're going to kind of get similar uh, – we could get pretty similar matchups to what we had last year, obviously, minus Cincinnati and Alabama. Georgia and Michigan could very well play again. We could see an SEC rematch in Georgia and Tennessee playing in the playoff or the national championship. We could see a rematch between Georgia and Oregon. We could see Ohio State and Tennessee, an excellent offensive high-profile, high-shooting game. I think the playoffs are going to be interesting this year. It's going to be topsy-turvy all the way into the end, and can't wait to see what happens. This college basketball game went into double OT, not something you and I could have kind of predicted. Uh, you and I can kind of talk off mic if we want to still try and do any kind of reaction. But we are going to cut the episode off for sure right here. We really appreciate everyone continuing to support the show. Uh, like I said, all the technical difficulties should be sorted out. This episode should be up Wednesday morning. Check us out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Please interact with us on Facebook and Twitter. Read the roster on Facebook at Read the Roster on Twitter. If we don't do any kind of reaction show and put it up, uh, might put something up on Twitter, on Facebook, something like that, just to kind of share our quick thoughts. Uh, again, share your reactions to these playoff rankings. Give us your thoughts on who the best four teams are to you, what you would do in a chaos scenario. Uh, give us your reactions about what we said in this episode. We want to interact with as many people as possible and us sharing our opinions because we know people have different ones and it's what makes this sport so fun to talk about. All right. Appreciate everybody again for all your support. We'll talk to you soon.